coming. Oh, yes, I know. Freedom is coming. Oh, yes, I know. Can you catch on to that dream? Freedom is coming. Yes, I know. You know, Jesus, Jesus is coming. Oh, yeah, I know. Do you know? Jesus is already here. Do you know? Already know that already here and yet coming as well. Freedom is coming. Yes, I know. Can we catch that dream, that vision God puts out there in the song for us today? Yes, I know. You know? Well, if yes, you know, then I want you to start acting that way. <laughs> and say, yes, I know. Okay, let's, let's just start acting that way. You know, freedom is coming. Yes, I know. Jesus is coming. Jesus is here. Yes, we know. So how do we live into that reality in our lives? How do we breathe that joy, breathe that promise that we have as freedom is coming? And in some ways is here, but not here yet. Oh, yes, we know, oh God. We know that you've made this promise to us, and we know that you ask us to be a part of the promise. You ask us to be a part of the dream. You even wait on us sometimes. Wait on us to catch up. Catch up to the dream. Catch up. You know, we went through all of these people, Jacob, Joseph, you know, Moses getting born, now Moses again in a burning bush. Goodness gracious. God's saying, here I am, weaving the dream together. Come on, catch up. Catch up, people of God. You know, we can do some work together. You know, have y'all heard of what a dream catcher is? You know, in Native American history, the Ojibwe tribe put together these dream catchers, which were little three-inch circles of willow that in between had sinew in them. The design of them was meant to put above an infant's crib or children's beds so that uh, they would have dreams caught that would cause nightmares and not get to the children, but that the good dreams, the dreams of promise, the dreams of hope, would find its way to the child, and the child would find that hope and find that health. And so in that tradition, called a dream catcher, I almost think it's more like a dream sifter, you know? <laughs> It's not catching all of them. It's letting some of them come through. It has enough space to breathe into it so freedom can keep coming right on through. You know, it doesn't screen everything out. You know, and there's a legend behind this, uh, a creation sort of myth of the Ojibwe Chippewa people, and it talks about the spider woman and that the spider created the sun each morning, that it would set the sun up in the sky each morning. And then as creation kept expanding, as the Chippewa people kept expanding, expanding, it got too much for her to handle. And so she started telling the story of what it meant to be a people. And as she told the story, she created that circle of willow and said, we are whole as we experience all of life together, the circle of willow representing wholeness. And then the spider started to weave a web in the middle of the circle. And the web would catch what was necessary, moisture, nourishment, and let through the breeze, the life, and she kept telling this story until it was sunrise, and then the spider disappeared, leaving the people to take action, leaving the people to move forward. So to, this morning, I'm going to ask how good we are at being dream sifters. You know, we're doing a strategic planning process here at Resurrection. Some of you have participated. Others of you are invited to come together and talk about what dreams we have and let those dreams meet each other and rub up against each other and see how they fit and then to sift through so we can hear the freedom is coming dream that God calls us to be a part of in this community of faith. 
We're in the middle of that process, and we invite you to keep praying prayers for what that dream will be for us here at Resurrection. And we invite you to even come on Saturday, I believe it's the 14th of next month, where we'll have the next installment of that time. But the sifting of dreams and God reaching out to them, to us, through those dreams as well that God's weaving together. We get a unique story today of Moses. A story of God trying to take action. God heard God's people. God noticed them. And God said, I want to do something about this. And so God reaches out to Moses. But you know what God didn't do? God just didn't go fix it. God waited. You know, God waited for Moses to notice. God's there waiting for Moses to notice. Kind of inefficient, don't you think? God, if you're dependent on me to notice, we're going to be here for a while. You know, so here's a wonderful quote from a preacher, Reverend Barbara Blundblad. She says it this way. But here God did not speak until Moses turned aside. And it is one of God's great inefficiencies, this waiting on human beings to turn aside. Immortal, invisible, inefficient, Barbara says. Story after story in Scripture points to God's inefficiency. It is an inefficiency born of relationship, bound up in the very nature of God who longs not only to be but to be with. A God who longs not only to be, but to be with, to work with, to participate, to co-create, to be with you in this journey, to be with Moses, hoping Moses will see so that something can happen, hoping that you and I will respond so that something can happen, so that God's in there dreaming, weaving, waiting for us to respond, to act, to see. I don't know how strong Moses' blinders were, He's out there tending the flock. You know, that bush may have been burning for months. You know? Could have been burning for months. I don't know in your life how strictly registered you are to your daily events, what kind of agenda you have, what kind of to-do list, what kind of things you don't allow to get in your way because they're going to make it a more inefficient day. You know? If God showed up in your life today, would you notice God? in a particularly new way? Or would the shopping list be more prominent on your mind and be so full up in your head that God's right there, but you just said, no, I need some milk and some eggs. You know, my head's full of all these other things. You know, God's waiting to be noticed for Moses to come over and take this little side trip so that God can work through him to free God's people You know, Moses isn't just busy with his blinders on and finally notice. You know, Moses then says, you know, God, this isn't a really good idea. You know, I've been there. They don't like me very much. And God responds, you know, Moses, I'm going to be with you. And Moses says, well, that's really kind of nice, but, you know, they still don't like me very much, and I don't even know your name. (laughs) You know? And God says, well, my name is I am who I am. In some translations, I will be who I will be. Just tell them I am, sent you. And I don't know about you, but even if that was a good James Earl Jones voice, I am who I am. (laughs) I will be. You know, 
I still might have some questions. We're about to go on this trip together, and you may sound authoritative and stuff, but you know, you know, let me wonder about this a bit, how this is going to happen, God. And he says, by the way, I don't even speak well. You know, so he says, I don't even speak well. And God says, okay, you can take Aaron. Aaron will speak for you. So in the midst of this little story, all coming out of this flaming bush that's there, they're having this conversation, and Moses is reluctant to both even take the side trip to hear what God's saying, and then argue, he argues with God right in the midst of it that, no, God, you possibly couldn't have meant me. And God says, yes, I did, and yes, I do. You are the one called for this moment in time. I've heard my people, you know? You need to help me free my people. That, that same bush is burning in each and every one of our lives. We pass it by every day. We have our list of excuses. Why we can't, what's going on, what's a part of our lives where we can't deal with it. But it's happening every day for you. God invites us each and every day to be the people that respond to say, yes, I know. Freedom's coming. Yes, I know. I'll be a part of helping free your people. I'll let the excuses go. I'll open up the blinders so I can see more. And I'll say, yes, let's go, God. Let's see what can happen on this journey. And so when we get to that point in time in the story, then God says to Moses, okay, then you, we better get better connected. Take off your shoes. You know, if he was speaking today, it'd be take off your shoes and your socks. You know, I want you to get connected to the dirt. This is holy ground. I want you to feel the earth under you. I don't want you to be separate anymore. I want you to know you're a part of it. Remember when we started this Dreamer series, we started with Jacob wrestling in the mud. And now we got Joe's, uh, God telling Moses, put your feet in the dirt. Get centered. Get grounded. Breathe. Know that I am God. Know that I will be with you. How often in our days do we just not see? Do we make excuses? And then we don't make time or space just to put our feet in the ground and breathe in and breathe out God's presence with us. God starts this journey with Moses by saying, take off your sandals, get connected. Don't be separate anymore. And then he says the next thing, okay, now get involved. Let's go to work. You know, once you've got grounded, you've found that breath, you're connected with me, then let's get to work. Freedom is coming. Yes, I know. Well, then let's act like it. Freedom is coming for all God's children. Yes, I know. Goodness. Get our feet in the dirt. It might even be a little muddy this morning, that rain. But God calls us to be one with creation, one with God. And out of that space, take action. You might have to take off your earphones, turn off your smartphone. You might have to leave the little pad or laptop and the office, you know, there might be some things you have to do in order that you can put your feet in the dirt to make some space, make some space for what it means to take this journey with God. God says, let's get connected, and he said, let's go. We've got to free all my people 
Turn off the gadgets. You know, John Wesley talked about this burning bush uniquely when he was preaching. And he said, you know, the burning bush can be a phenomena that Moses experienced, but he also saw the burning bush as the people of Israel. They were in slavery working in the ovens, in the kilns, creating building materials with straw and dirt and mud. And John Wesley said, Moses is actually being shown his people. He says, your people are burning up. They're still alive. They're not consumed yet. They're burning and not consumed. Come on, let's go free them. So the symbol of this bush was actually the experience of the life of Israel in slavery while they were working in the ovens. Interesting, interesting thoughts from John Wesley. I don't know about you, but I like it when there's depth of layers in what our scripture is telling us these days. But how do we sift these dreams, O God? There's so many dreams and visions. Help us sift them to the ones that you're calling us to be a part of at this time. Some of them compete, you know, or at least it feels like they're in conflict. Help us see a bigger picture so that we know how we can be a part of the dream with you, with you, oh God. A friend of mine, Dr. Pamela Leitze from Boston University, she's the dean of the seminary there. Pamela and I used to work together when I was working in the United Methodist Church before coming to you at MCC. Pamela uh, met me one day in Chicago because she was fretting about what to do. She had fallen in love. And so we had lunch with a, another woman that she had fallen in love with. And Pamela said, I don't know what to do, you know? My church says this isn't possible. You know, I cannot continue to be a pastor in this way when I love this person. And so Pamela and I talked about that while she was in Chicago. This is before she took the job at Boston. And, and in, in her struggle of what it meant to be whole and to bring her whole self into the church. You know, that's part of what we dream about here at Resurrection all the time, that you be whole, that you come into this church all of what you are, all of what you fear, all of what you love, all of what is challenging, all of what is comforting, that you bring it all here well, she was struggling with that in a church that didn't let her do that. So we talked about it and talked about their love for one another. Not a month later, we were at the world meeting of United Methodists from around the world, and Pamela gets up on stage. This is a picture of that event. She gets up on stage in front of a group of bishops and voters and legislators of the church. And she gets up on stage, she puts her arms out. You can see her in the picture like this, and she says, I am a black clergywoman, a womanist theologian, a veteran for our country, and I am a lesbian. The tent went quiet. <laughs> then people applauded. The church still doesn't know what to do with her. She's still the head of the seminary at Boston University <laughs> because her witness has been so profound. Well, this week, Pamela saw a burning bush. She was unable to stay in her ivory tower there at Boston doing the writing and the academic work that she does so well. And she was called uh, two weeks ago, actually, to go to Ferguson, Missouri, and in that place to bring with her camera crew from the Reconciling Ministries Network and to have conversations and interviews with people on all sides of the crisis that's going on in Ferguson at this time. 
She listened, she got angry, she got scared, she found hope. In all those places, she left what was safe. She left her daily routine and went somewhere where you didn't know what the results were going to be. She just knew she had to be there with the people going through the crisis. And so Pamela is still in that place. She goes back to Boston this next week. But what does it mean in our lives, even when things are structured, even when we have our routine, even when we have our pattern, to all of a sudden hear God say, oh, get up and go. Freedom's coming. I need you to go be with my people. Freedom for all my people. Freedom from systems of racism and oppression and sexism. Freedom from classism. Freedom from all the things that infect the love that I have for you. Why don't you just go and listen? Why don't you just go and be with? Why don't you go and take action? Why don't you go and wonder what freedom even looks like? Can we dream that big? Can we dream of a freedom where killing someone is not the ultimate answer? Where violence isn't where we end up? on our streets, in our cities, even in our small towns? Can we dream a dream that big? Can God call us into that place of nonviolence? I don't know, God, I'm pretty busy. I have lots of excuses. Well, I did feel that little nudging last week, but you know, I just wiped it out. I had a sermon to write. Think about it. We all end up in our spiritual journeys finally to a place where it expands. It becomes more than about our personal growth or our individual salvation or our own receiving grace and knowing that we're worthy enough. It falls deep into the dream of relationship with God and all that is. And in that moment, the expansion becomes personal and communal, becomes individual and universal not just the sole person, but the soul of all that is. Mine becomes ours in ways we can't even have imagined before. So God reaches out to us in these moments, in these burning bushes, and says, catch this dream with me, this dream for all my people, that all my people may be free. You know, in the Christian tradition, we have another name for it. There was this burning bush that happened in the book of Acts, Chapter 1, they were all gathered in one place. And in that one place, the Spirit broke loose. And the Spirit broke loose like this, flames of fire upon their heads. They were on fire, and it spread like wildfire. And in that moment in time, they were aflame, yet they were not consumed. That's our legacy. Are we, the church, ready to be aflamed, not consumed, but willing to hear God saying, freedom, freedom is coming, and saying, yes, I know, and acting like we mean it. Thanks be to God. Amen. standing on holy ground 
For where love is present, yes, there it is, it's holy. This is holy ground we're standing on, holy ground. Yes, there it is, it's holy.